The Gestalt Gardener podcast is brought to you by Varicosity Vein Center, providing health assessment screenings and compassionate care to improve your vascular functionality and quality of life. Our doctors and vein specialists offer solutions to painful varicose veins, spider veins, and other venous diseases to our patients. Now offering complimentary vein screenings in Jackson, Madison, and Ridgeland. Information and appointment scheduling at varicosityveincenter.com. Good morning, good morning. Ain't it a fantastic morning outside? Hey, y'all, I'm horticulturist Felder Rushy, and this is the Gestalt Gardener. It's a garden party produced by Mississippi Public Broadcasting, and we're going to have fun today. I have an incredible interview coming up. You're going to be real thrilled about it. But mostly it's a talk program about gardening, so if you've got something you want to yak about this beautiful end of October pre-Halloween weekend, let's do it. If you give us a call, we're going to have the toll-free numbers over and over again. There's a chance to yak with somebody who gardens mediocrely but enjoys talking about it. So if you want to give us a call, uh, sit back, relax. We're going to be taking a little bit of news and then nothing but calling. Well, we can talk, talk with this one fellow. I think you're going to like it in some super cheesy music. Coming up in just a minute. Again, Gestalt Garden here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll be right back after this. Oh, boy. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, welcome back folks. Horticulture's fell to rushing. Now like I say, we have a real special thing. Anybody reads Southern Living or has heard of Southern Living, it probably also heard of the Grumpy Gardener. And uh, Steve Bender, we're going to be talking with him just a little while about his new book, which I think is fantastic. But we're going to be talking about gardening uh, today, so if you want to give us a call anytime, we're going to talk to Bender in, oh, five or six minutes. Um, but I want to throw a couple of things out. Java, I just showed you these leaves of this sassafras. You never had sassafras tea because you were raised in the city. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not as country as, as, my, as my father. <laughs> Wait a second. Put your microphones. Put your head. Okay, sorry, you your, I did my headphones. <laughs> I say I'm not. I'm not as country as my pop. So no, I never had sassafras tea. Well, your pop would know about it. It's a it's a native tree. It's a small tree, not real big. And uh, you cut down the roots and smell just like root beer. And you can take the roots and dry them, and steep them and make a tea. And it's you know root beer, but it's uh, sassafras tea. Uh, the leaves are also ground up to make filet gumbo, to make things sticky. It's a, a thickener ah, okay, okay. in gumbo, you know, sort of like okra is. But there's something real unusual, and I wanted to bring this in because a couple of weeks ago somebody called and asked about what is it where plant, certain plant parts are named, plants are named after parts of the human body. I remember that now, yeah, I remember you that. You know, we were talking about spleen wart or lung wart or liver wart or tooth wart or something like that. Uh, and anyway, somebody uh, sent me a note and said it's called the Doctrine of Signatures. And it said, dating from the time of Dioscorides and Galen, states that herbs resembling various human body parts, animals, or other objects were thought to have useful relevance to those parts, animals, or objects. So toothwort was a plant that was used to treat toothache because it was shaped like a tooth. Well, here's the deal about sassafras. It has four different kind of leaves. A smooth leaf shaped like a spear, a leaf shaped like a hand, a leaf shaped like a left-handed thumb, and a leaf shaped like a right-handed thumb. What, what, part of the, what are we going to do here with this? Because we drink it for tea. And if you've never seen, seen it, <laughs> it looks exactly like he's describing. It's, it's incredible. Well, anyway. We had a long and deep conversation about nature and oh, yeah. <laughs> the continuity. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's called the Doctrine of Signatures. It goes back thousands of years. You know, I just thought that I'm also, and I haven't I had a chance to read through this, but I came across a, a, a group called the, and this is the name of the group, the Original Society of the Friends of the Woolly Bear. What's a woolly bear? <laughs> Ever drive along the road and see these big black caterpillars crawl, crawl across the road? Okay. They're called woolly bears because oh, they're real oh, woolly. All right. Well, some are solid black. Some have got a black stripe. Some have got two black stripes. And according to how many stripes they got, it's supposed to tell what kind of winter we're going to have. 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like Java. Uh, okay, I can't be making this up. You know, I'm not that quick. Was this before or after the groundhog? <laughs> I don't know. Actually, it's happening right now. I saw a woolly bear the other day. But anyway, the original society of the friends of the woolly bear. I'm gonna be looking that up. Um, Anyway, we're going to be talking a little bit uh, with Steve Benner. Some, and I want to throw out a couple of things. Right now, my wild azuratum, this blue azuratum you see in fields and all in my garden is in full bloom. The narrow-leaf sunflowers in bloom. My my goldenrod's kind of gone. Uh, but I've got some really tall burgundy castor bean. And yesterday I visited my friend Jesse Yancey, who has a nice little garden in town. On a, on a, he's sort of... He's a uh, gorilla gardener. He took over, he lives in an apartment, but he took over a little curb uh, in his neighborhood. He plants all this stuff, vegetables and herbs and flowers and and, uh, wildflowers and vines and gourds. You know, he just sort of colonizes this area. But he's growing cotton in town, and it's a good-looking plant. I keep forgetting. It's in the same family as hibiscus. It's got big, pretty leaves. It's got beautiful uh, yeah, pale yellow flowers, and right now it's in full bloom with the cotton on there. It's a good-looking plant. Uh, but also, uh, my coleus is really big. I've got butterflies all over this plant called porterweed, and I really wish there was a better name for it because porterweed is kind of off-putting to some folks, but it's a great plant uh, for butterflies. I've got lots of kale to set out and uh, burgundy mustard. And uh, yesterday I was at this plant swap up in Flora, and that's one of the things I wanted to to, to to touch on flora plant swap at the library is the oldest one I know of, maybe in the universe. Uh, been going since like 1990. Uh, there's a picture of me at the first one, and I was skinny, had short hair, big glasses, button down shirt. Man, I looked like a university geek, which I was. I'll have to show you a picture of it. You won't believe it, Java. Uh, but anyway, uh, I got uh, so there was a fellow there with a, a rose that smelled really good. It said it bloomed all the time with no diseases. And uh, so I stopped by his house and got some cuttings. So I'm going to uh, start rooting some cuttings. But also, I got a uh, a uh, uh, an interesting plant. There were clarodendrons and rosemaries and orange daylilies, bromeliads, and all sorts of stuff. But I got a big potted and flowering Confederate rose. It's called Confederate rose because it's not a real rose. Uh, big, big pink flowers. But it was brought uh, to the flora plant swap by Yvonne Miles. She's from Madison, Yvonne Miles. And I love it. This is a plant I got. But she told me that she the plant I got, she had dug up from her yard. She had accidentally rooted it uh, last fall. She was putting up Christmas decorations in her yard and stuck a branch, just broke a branch of this plant off, stuck it in the ground to prop up a plastic snowman. And she went to pull it up and it rooted solid. And that's how hard this plant is to grow. She just used it as a stake to keep her plastic snowman from blowing over and rooted right, right in the ground. Anyway, I had a great time and appreciate Yvonne Miles sharing that plant with me. Um, she wants a plant for me in return. She wants one of my white flowering red spider lilies, and I actually know where one is. I watered it yesterday so I could dig it up. Uh, I'm going to be going tomorrow morning, those of you in the area, to Mobile. They got a mobile plant swamp. They have a spring one and a fall one. This one is going to be at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning. It's at the Central Presbyterian Church Community Garden. Real easy to get to. It's in, uh, the, on, on the north side of town. It's at the corner of Dolphin Street and Ann Street. Dolphin and Ann. Dolphin and Ann. Uh, it's going to start at 10 o'clock. It's a fun plant swap, a lot of different kind of people, a lot of different kind of plants. And if you want to bring a plant and swap it, there are plenty to go around and then some. Anyway, I hope to see you all down there. Come on down. I'm not I'm not as funny looking as I sound on the radio, but I'm funny looking enough. And you'll recognize me because I'm going to be the one with a big smile on my face because of being around weirdos like us. You know, job. You know, football people can go to football games, right, and put on weird costumes and be all together. Be, you know, and chefs get together, and you know, all the different groups. But gardeners who don't belong to garden clubs or plants, as I just garden variety gardeners, we don't want to belong to groups. So you get a plant swap together. You get every kind of person: tall, short, round, skinny, black, white, gay, straight, male, female, city, country. No Latin, don't care about Latin, and we all get together, and it's safe, and we swap plants. We're on even ground. So it's a social for people who are naturally antisocial. <laughs> well, not, not necessarily. Let's just say who are asocial. <laughs> anyway, uh, we've got a couple of calls, but uh, I want to tell is, is Steve on the line yet? Okay, we're going to jump. Johnny and Marty, if y'all are hanging on, I want to yak with. Now, the, the, the light's not blinking. Is Java is okay if I push the. 
Yeah. Push number five. Push number five. Steve, are you there? I am here. (laughs) I sort of set you up a little bit. Steve Bender, you just retired after 30-something years of Southern living, right? Yeah, I still write uh, stories from them uh, er for them every month, but I do it from home while I'm drinking a beer. (laughs) Well, you and I, we go back a long ways. I think uh, at your wedding, I gave you and your wife, Judy, a tire planter as a wedding gift. I don't know if you still have it or not, or if you'd admit it if you did. A tear has come to my eyes every time I remember that uh, tender moment. (laughs) Well, listen, when you were Southern Living, you know, we've known each other a lot. We lecture together. Every time we go someplace, I mean, you're the the guy because you're Southern Living, and people bow and scrape, want to kiss your ring and all like that. And (laughs) I'm thinking, that's not the Steve that I know, but it was a Southern Living persona. But you found a way around that by writing a blog as the Grumpy Gardener. Where did the Grumpy Gardener come from? Uh, well, Grumpy Gardener kind of evolved. It started back in about uh, 2008, but it kind of evolved out of a column I used to write for the magazine where people would actually would write in with real questions. I never made any of them up, and uh, they'd all get answers. Uh, but, but not necessarily in the, in the airbrushed Southern Living fashion. No, I mean, I tried to I, – what I wanted to do is just to be a little bit different. I think – a lot of times, gardeners take everything really seriously. Um, they are trying to compete with their neighbors, and uh, they get really upset if they happen to kill a plant. And I just try to, I just try to tell them, hey, you know what? We've all been there. I've been doing this for twenty, thirty years. I've killed hundreds of plants, and I don't, uh, I don't lose sleep over it. It's not like That's a little kitten. It's not like a little kitten or something, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, I mean, every, everything's replaceable. Um, so, and maybe if it dies, you can replace it with something you'll like better. So I just try and give people good advice, practical advice. I tell them about all the stupid things I've done so they won't do the same thing. And uh, they tell me about the stupid things they, <laughs> they've done so that I won't do it. Yeah, and but, uh, but, let's try to do it in a way that uh, that makes it fun for everybody and not intimidating. Yeah, and anybody who knows you know that you're a real sweetheart teddy bear, but you can be real grumpy sometimes. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, say, there are certain things that uh, that people do, uh, like taking chainsaws up into trees to trim the crepe hurdles and stuff like that, <laughs> uh, putting rubber mulch around the perimeter of their house that um, I think probably disqualifies you uh, for a Nobel Prize. So well, I'll I, I tell you a classic where you could be a little grumpy, Bender. Everybody <laughs> on earth, including their society, spells Crate Merle with an A, and you spell it with an E because you can. That's because um, I'm terribly arrogant. Uh, <laughs> well, actually, here, here's the re- real reason. Um, Southern Living has always spelled it with an E, mm-hmm. because we think that the flowers, the little flowers, if you look at them closely, they look like resemble crepe. crepe paper, yeah. which they do. Yeah, which is now, probably the truth. Yeah, so if you can tell, I know what crepe spelled with an E is. If you can tell me what crepe spelled <laughs> with an A is, uh, wow, I mean, you should you should have your own show. Oh, oh, oh wait, 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 you're starting to get a little grumpy here, Steve. Well, my attitude is when you get your magazine, you can spell it any way you want. <laughs> Man, I, I love you, guy, but I got to tell you, you just came out, you, and, and I thought that I coined, I wrote an article in our Clarion Ledger paper about your new book, which we could get to in just a second. But I said it was the second best guarding book because the first one, you know, you were sort of the editor, the head honcho of the book called The Southern Living Garden Book, which is, you know, in all seriousness, w- with my groaning bookshelves of books, that's the one I reach for when I need a quick reference about a plant because it is the book called The Southern Living Garden Book. You wrote that, but then I went on your blog, and you had already said it was the second best book after some kind of Alabama insect control guide or something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, the reason that I said it was the second uh, best book ever written is you got to remember we are uh living in the bible oh, okay 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 <laughs> well I, I was sure, second best gardening book but i thought yeah. i coined that you know and and then i found out uh, I, I and all you got to do to find 
uh, not only uh, your blogs, which go back for 10 years on yeah. every kind of topic, and also YouTube, it just Google Grumpy Gardener. I, I did Grumpy Gardener, Grumpy Gardener, and you came up like a bad gas. <laughs> well, gee, that's uh, such a nice metaphor. Uh, <laughs> really but, but I mean, I, f- I found, you know, there you, you have YouTube Grumpy Gardener Guide to finding safe drinking water in the woods. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Um, listen, uh, I just, I just, you know, if, if yeah. they if they pay me enough, I do it. Um, <laughs> and so we go out and we've gotten these field guys, you know, out in the woods with these field guys, and I talk about how not to get bitten by poisonous snakes and what looks like poison ivy and what you know, I mean, all that sort of stuff. I mean, it's just it was just the way they. Uh, a lot of people like to look at little videos on um, on you know the internet. So they asked me to do some, and I said, "Okay, I'll do some things that I know something about." Um, they asked me actually to do something about uh, topics like what you should do if you meet a bear in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you run. I know you're not supposed to, but that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Yeah, so, hey, you know, uh, you know, you're supposed to, you know, you're supposed to bend down and tie your shoes because all they got, you only have to be the second slowest. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I said I'm not going to give people advice on that because uh, somebody will probably be devoured because of what I said. So it, it would have to be something that I know something about, which, fortunately for uh, the world, is uh, considerable. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and again, I, I, of course, I'm not uh, dissing Southern Living when I say that that a lot of it is kind of airbrushed and church-like, because that's the way Southern Living is. It sets a standard. You know that, and I know that. It is the guide for gardening, and it's not always completely what you'd expect. But you started doing this grumpy gardener thing, Bender, is uh, uh, as a way to answer questions in a real-life way, everyday gardeners, earnest gardeners, who who want to know real stuff, and you answer as if you were a, kind of an irritated, real hands-on gardener. Well, the thing is, I also I do something I don't think you can find elsewhere. I may be wrong in this, but there are email addresses published in on my Grunty Gardener page in the in Southern Living and also on my blog, and it's you have a gardening question, you can just go to that email, and you can email me with your question, and I answer them all. And they don't have to come from the South. I mean, I get questions from Alaska, and I get questions from Sweden, and I get uh, questions from California all the time. I don't know why they're not uh, asking Sunset, but they ask me. And uh, Well, so part because you because you also did the Sunset Garden Guide Tuesday. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, so... Mr. Uh, yeah. I'm all down home. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, and if you don't like my answer, how much did you pay for it? <laughs> that's, that's my attitude. I'll, I'll do, I'll do, uh, I'll, I'll give you your money's worth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's, well, I do the same thing here at NPR, uh, MPB, and NPR. We don't sell anything, so if I don't like something, I've got a book I've got to review here. It's going to be great. It's called Whitewash. It's all about all the dangers of Roundup. And we don't need to go there. Oh, Lordy, but, but, we but, could go off on that one. But, and, and you and I, we both get the GMO thing. We get the you know yeah. the mass production and the overuse and all like that. But if you got poison ivy, I'm going to squirt it. Well, the thing about it is, I mean, we can you know, Roundup is really a buzzword. There's, I, I'm convinced. It's, the, it's Satan. Network. It's Satan, Steve. Yeah, I mean, really, all I have to do is mention that once, and I immediately get thousands of emails telling me that this is the worst chemical that has ever been produced in the history of mankind and everything. And what I tell people is, first of all, use it responsibly. Read the directions. That's most important. I always say apply according to label directions. It's not an ear wash. Yeah, and I mean, I don't, you know, it's it's like I never uh, recommend dousing your whole yard with chemicals. But the fact of it is, when we start talking about chemicals versus organic and natural things, what I want to tell people is what is actually going to solve their problem. 
it's like I say, I wish they would come up with an organic solution to fire ants, okay? But they don't have one. It ain't grits. You can't spread grits all over your yard and blow up all your fire ants. It doesn't work. <laughs> so until I will always tell them, if I can, I will always give them an organic, natural solution when I can. But if it doesn't work, what's the point? Well, so, um, you, you, sorry, it, it, uh, that's my viewpoint on that. As, as a real gardener, well, this, this new book you came out with is a compilation of what I call the best of your worst advice. I mean, there's no bells or whistles. It's got horticulture facts in there, but it's not horticulturally correct all the way. Uh, the, the Grumpy Gardener, I mean, you cover stuff like great plants, bad plants, miserable plants, plants you don't want to plant, plants you got to plant, digging in the dirt, or get weeds, cats killing hummingbirds. I mean, you really um, get a yeah. question about that? Yeah, I mean, I, well, it's, you know, yeah, I just uh, haven't been gardening for all these years i just got experience i mean i remember this one time when you called me up and you seriously wanted to get me to give you a quote about how lawns were high maintenance and the worst thing you can do in your yard i remember grow grass and i shut you down completely <laughs> i said you know you take that 2,000 feet in front of your house plant a vegetable garden out there and then compare it to a 2,000 square foot lawn that you have right next to it see which one you spend Every waking day, and tidy. <laughs> With a lawn, all you got to do is run the lawnmower over it. Yeah. You know, and guess what? You don't have uh, you don't have mockingbirds pecking at your grass, do you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, also, you know, but you touch on bug zappers, pruning crate myrtles. Uh, oh yeah. I mean, just page after page is tidbits and humorous takes on. The human struggle that we have, good advice, lots of tidbits. It's just an incredible amount of stuff. It is the easiest read that I've come across. In a lot. And I'm not, I'm not kissing your butt here, Bender. It's a good read. And you know well, it. I really wish you would, but uh, <laughs> let's not dwell on that. Well, um, since, since you're retiring from Southern Living, I don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, uh, the idea was I wanted to make it um, – Kind of short bites. Uh, you know, a lot of people like to binge watch TV. I don't. Uh, my wife, if she picks up a 500-page book, you won't see her for a day and a half because you can't put it down. I wanted to make it so that if you wanted to spend an hour with the book, you can. If you want to spend five minutes with the book, you can. And, and you know, that way, um, just cut to the chase. People ask me a question, and I'll uh, tell them what I think. Well, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you one question. I want your take on it as a grumpy gardener. I was driving in today. I come into this program. I walk part of the way, drive part of the ways. And for two decades, I've watched this beautiful emerald green crate, uh, 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 arborvitae. It's, it, everything is fine. The yard is in good shape. It's not overdone. No irrigation, blah, 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 blah. Two weeks ago, it started turning browner than a doorknob out of the middle. And they, they, these Dead people can grow these in cemeteries. But this plant turned completely brown suddenly, and the homeowner wants to know, what can I do? And that's my question. Well, I would guess, if, if, you, if I had to take a guess as to what happened, I would say it's probably covered with bagworms. Nope. Um, so he might want to look out and see if he thinks he sees these little... Nope, it ain't, ain't, ain't bagworms. It's golden brown. Yeah. See, as you know, I'm leading to a question. You and I both get questions. We don't have an answer for as much as we've learned. Yeah, well, sometimes I can get them to send me a picture. I mean, that's the one good thing about uh, technology these days. I can get them to send me a picture. But uh, um, but we you know, just don't know. Say, My plant's dying. Why? I said, well, you probably shouldn't have set fire to it. <laughs> You're a bad gardener. <laughs> yeah, you're an evil person. No one likes you. <laughs> stop bothering me. Listen, speaking of stop bothering you, I, I managed to snag you real quick on this. I appreciate it, Steve. I, I, I have a lot of respect for you as a horticulturist, but this Grumpy Garden book, I have a lot more respect for you as just a real gardener. I appreciate you doing this, man. It's gonna, It's a terrific book. Well, as always, uh, being with you on your show is a blast. Um, had a good time. It's nice to talk to somebody <laughs> who feels uh, a lot of the same things about gardening as I do. So, well, um, 
you're a scholar and a gentleman, then uh, hug Judy, and uh, you need, you're on your way to a, a book signing in, what, Asheville or something? Uh, yeah, up in, I'm in North Carolina here doing and, a couple. And you can, be, you, you can be in Mobile pretty soon, though, right? Yeah, I'm going to be in Mobile. Golly, I have to look okay. at my let, calendar, but let, I'm going to be down there. In a couple of weeks. Let me okay. know. Let me know because we'll be talking about that. Because I re- I really want people to meet the grumpy gardener in person. You're you're, you know you're you're well known. But now that you're not Southern living, you can just be grumpy all the time. Well, what am I saying? You're already grumpy. <laughs> yeah, I'll just get worse. See you, Bender. Thank you, man. All right. <laughs> okay, that was Steve Bender. 33 years as a senior garden writer for Southern Living. Now the Grumpy Garden book is out. I highly recommend this book, folks. And if you don't want to get a book, go online and Google Grumpy Gardener and take it from there. He's an old friend of mine and uh, a real gardener, too, who really kills plants. So anyway, we're going to take a real quick break. We've got a couple of folks who've been hanging on for a long time. We're going to take your phone calls after this and then pretty soon some cheesy seasonal music. Uh, Java Chapman, thank you, Java, for letting us have a kind of a long interview there. But, you know, he's going to have to get these people holding like a T-shirt or something. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be back with more of the Gestalt Garden here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting right after this. If you're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio, we appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, Go to mpbonline.org. Okay, you know, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing, and I uh, appreciate having a chance to talk with Steve. He's a great guy. Grumpy Gardener. Let's go to Brandon. Johnny, you've been hanging on for, like, what, 20 minutes? Yes, sir. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Bender and I kind of went off on a, uh, on a tangent there. What can I help you with? I've got a hawthorn tree. It's about 12 years old. Every year, it puts off a lot of leaves, puts off a lot of green berries. They turn red in the fall, and the birds eat them. Yep. This year, I just noticed I didn't have as many green berries, very few of them. Mm -hmm. And then very early, it started dropping leaves. And I bet it's dropped 80% of the leaves off that tree Yeah. and made hardly any berries. Is there some type of fungus or disease that these things are susceptible to? No, not really. Uh, Hawthorns, by the way, the further north you grow, the better they grow. You know, it's one of those plants. We're sort of at the southern range of it. Uh, But we had a really, really mild winter, and a lot of plants didn't bloom as well. Even my daffodils, which have been blooming since the 1930s in my great-grandmother's garden, because we had such a mild winter, a lot of plants tell time by the amount of chilling temperature they get. So that might have been all that was. It's just a bad winter, uh, mild winter. Maybe it rained a lot when they were blooming, and so the flowers didn't get pollinated. This happens. It happens we did a lot. We get a lot of rain back in late June, yeah. early July. Yeah, well, even earlier than that, you know, and if it's raining really hard when plants are blooming, the bees don't work the flowers. They don't get pollinated. They don't make berries. That happens with blueberries sometimes. It rains a lot, or, or, or pecans, and it washes all the pollen off. But you know, that would explain the no berries. As far as they're dropping their leaves, you know, if you've got clay soil like, like most folks around us do, if the hawthorn stays a little too wet one year, a little too dry one year, back and forth, they get root damage that can cause them to, to, to be under stress. A lot of times they'll put on a whole bunch of leaves in a spring when growing is good, when it turns hot and dry, they're saying, uh-uh, we ain't, we, we ain't doing this, and just throw a bunch of leaves off early. So let's see how it looks yeah. like next year. And it may just be yeah. temporary stress. Well, I got three sucker trees that are about 20 feet from it that came off of the root system. Uh-huh. And they're not dropping any leaves whatsoever. Yeah, but, you know, the, and i got a family full of kids, and one of them is brighter than the rest of them, too. <laughs> you know, And it's just not much you can do about I'm not talking about my kids. I'm talking about brothers and sisters here, okay? Yeah. I want to cover yeah. that one real quick. But uh, yeah. it's not unusual for, for one plant in a group to, to show stress, especially if it's older or if it was, you know, there's all sorts of things. But it sounds like a, a, a root stress problem, and let's see how it gets over it. Okay. Not, you, n- nothing you can do, though, except wait and see, Johnny. I'll wait. Thank you. All right. appreciate it. Now, see, I did that when I was cheerful. I wasn't grumpy at all. <laughs> Let's go to Jackson. Marty, thank you for holding. How are you this morning? Hey, 
Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you. <laughs> you bet. What's up? What can I help you with? Well, I have a Japanese magnolia. When we moved into our house about 15 years ago, it was in the front yard. It doesn't get any shade at all. And so through the years, it's just been sitting there, minding its own business, doing great, blooming once a year about January before it leafed out. Mm-hmm. And life was good. Well, this last year, it decided to bloom in November, and then it bloomed again in January. Yeah. Then it bloomed again in May. <laughs> then in July, its leaves started turning yellow with brown spots, and I thought, well, this is it. It's going to die. And two days later, it bloomed again. Yeah. What is going on with my Japanese magnolia? Well, I'm have to let me explain something first. Is that when a plant blooms out of season, it's usually because it's under stress. You know, when we get hurt or injured or scared, we get a shot of adrenaline that makes us get up and go. Well, okay. pl- plants have a similar hormone called traumatin from trauma. And, uh, you know, we, after big hurricanes, we see a lot of spring-blooming plants on the coast bloom. Because they get beat around by the wind so much, it releases the traumatin, which kicks a plant into blooming. Okay? Drought can do it. Root damage can do it. Uh, you know, any kind of stress can cause a plant to kick into this flowering survival mode. But if yours are doing it over and over again, that's pretty unusual. I would I would wonder if it doesn't have either some trunk damage down low, maybe it got hit with a lawnmower or the weed eater or something like that, or maybe it stays a little too wet, a little too dry in a flat yard full of clay, and the roots just get overwhelmed from back-to-back hard dry spells, not enough to kill it, followed by long wet spells, which is not to kill it, but the combination is stressing the plant. This happens a lot. I, I was talking to Steve Bender from Southern Living a little while ago. There's a big, beautiful arborvitae tree in my neighborhood. There's no reason for it to die. It is perfectly good shade, but it is brown as a butter bean, if butter beans are brown. Brown as a butter bean shell that's been laying on the ground a couple of days. Anyway, and it's nothing but just back-to-back root damage. That's all it is to it. It happens. Well, for for us, we actually where we live is believe it or not, actually on really sandy soil, mm-hmm. so it drains really well. So should I just kind of leave it alone? Do I need to check That's to see? A, a, about all you can do, Marty. One thing you can do, a couple of things, is this winter if you'll go in and thin out some of the limbs. It's going to have a bunch of limbs on it. It can spare two or three limbs here and there. And then cut off some of the branches on the limbs that are left. What this does is this takes the the load off the roots of the trunk. And what the energy that would have gone to all that, the tree is struggling, will go to what's left. And then next spring, if you got grass in there nearby, fertilize your grass. That's more than enough for the tree, too. Let's just see what happens. Okay, listen, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for holding. I appreciate you being part of the program, Marty. See ya. All right. Take care. Okay. Now we're going down to Mobile, and I'm going to be in Mobile tomorrow morning at Central Press Church at the Plant Swap. Mikey, I hope to see you there. Oops, did I push the button? Mikey, are you there? Okay, I'm pushing the button, and ain't nothing happening. Okay, I don't know what happened. Mikey must have just given up. But anyway, uh, this uh, plant swap at the uh, Central Press Church at the corner of Dolphin and Ann. It is a lot of fun. It's free. There's some good folks there. You don't have to dress up or anything. I'm not going to be dressed up. Um, tell you what, Java, can we play this little bit of cheesy music while we wait for some calls to come in? If you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. You can also email me, garden at mpbonline.org, and I try to answer all my – Steve Bennett's not the only one who answers his questions. We're gonna be, and I'm not going to get grumpy about it either. <laughs> anyway, we're going to do a little seasonal music for those who – who like weird stuff. We'll be right back. MPB, Gestalt Gardener. There are few who deny it. What I do, I am the best. For my talents are renowned far and wide. When it comes to surprises in the moonlit night, I excel without ever even trying. With the slightest little effort of my ghost-like charms I have seen grown men give out a shriek With the wave of my hand in a well-placed mode I have swept the very bravest off their feet Yet year after year it's the same routine And I grow so weary of the sound of scream and I, Jack, the Pumpkin King, 
have grown so tired of the same old men. Oh, somewhere deep inside of these bones, an emptiness began to grow. There's something out there far from my home, a longing that I've never known. I'm the master of fright and a demon of light, and I'll scare you right out of your pants. To a guy in Kentucky, I'm Mr. Unlucky, and I'm known throughout England and France. And since I am dead, I can take off my head to recite Shakespearean quotations. No animal, no man can scream like I can with the fury of my recitations. But who here would ever understand that the pumpkin king with the skeleton grin would tire of his crown if they only understood he'd give it all up if he only could. Oh, there's an empty place in my bones that calls out for something unknown. The fame and praise come after here does nothing for these empty tears. Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie folks, welcome back. Horticulture's Fellow Rushing. We're talking about gardening this morning. We're going up to Holly Springs, way up north. Hey, Chris, how are you this morning? I'm doing well. Uh, you succeeded in, uh, in, a, in a scale of 1 to 10. Your music uh, hit the 10 on the cheesy uh, meter. <laughs> I, I take that as a compliment. Yes, you did well. Um, <laughs> my question today um, is concerning Chinese palm trees. Uh-huh that have been sold uh, around North Mississippi for the past few years as a winter-hardy tree. I'd like to get your uh, input on preparing those for the winter, and if indeed they are, uh, you know, hardy to zero degrees. And um, also on the browning, um, are they called fronds or fronds? Yeah. Uh, the, the leaves, I don't know what you call them, but the branches that are yeah. brown. Yeah. Are, are those to be trimmed as well? Okay. Uh, f- f- first of all, the only growing point of a palm, other than the roots, little furry root things, the only part that's growing is the very tip where the, where the new leaves or fronds or whatever or put out, I don't know what to call them either. I'm just going to call them leaves or fronds. Uh, yeah. but, but anyway, that's the only growing point. And as long as that is alive, the plant will put out new growth every year. The older stuff, uh, as it dies, you know, you can just leave it alone or you can trim it off. On some kind of palms, they actually give stability to the trunk and protection. So I wouldn't pull them off. I would cut them off if, if you want okay. to. Um, but now Chinese palm, to you know, that's Livingstonia. I don't think that it's going to be hardy if we have a normal winter, even in central Mississippi. I'm real familiar with palms, and I can rattle off five really hardy palms. Windmill palm, the one with the real hairy trunk to it, hairy-looking trunk, yeah. that's that's one of the, the hardiest, and it'll get killed at, at 8 degrees, 10 degrees. 
You okay. Know? And, uh, you know, and they, they grow, you know, I was raised with this up in the Delta, and it's just sort of a fact of life that every few years they get killed. The top of it, if it freezes, you know, then the whole plant dies, see, so it's stuck up in the air. So I'm not sure about if it's a true Chinese palm, the Livingstonia palm. I don't. I, I would recommend it for North Mississippi. We do the, the windmill palm is a good one. The palmetto, which is native, it grows in Kentucky. It's a great uh, palm. But uh, Chinese palm. Let's just say they're gambling on having a Florida winter, which we've had the past several years. So in in that case, uh, and and they might be windmill palms. I, I just and they do have the furry trunk. Okay, that's um, that's windmill palm, real hairy looking trunk. That's windmill palm, uh, and it's pretty hardy. It'll take down to ten degrees most of the time. It'll it'll do just fine. But again, if we have a normal winter, you know, we're gonna lose a lot. That happens every few years. We lose all of our windmill palms, and people start over again. It's sort of like gardening. So do you recommend wrapping the, uh, nope, the, it's, the palm? It, no, it's not the trunk. It's that very tip-top growing tip. And this what, if it freezes, no way to, to wrap it because it's got all those fronds sticking out of it. There's no way to, yeah. to, to wrap it. It's not the trunk we're protecting. It's the growing point of the very tip. So I would just, I would say they're fantastic, dependable gambles. Yeah, <laughs> but if you want a really dependable palm, the one called palmetto, which is our native, doesn't have much of a trunk, but it's got big leaves like that. It's utterly dependable. Okay, okay. Well, I've got several that uh, I'm, you know, gambling on, and I uh, wanted to know, yeah, you know, if I should wrap the tops of them with plastic no, no, the winter. no, no, no. It's it's not the winter that kills them. It's a sudden hard freeze, and if you wrap them the rest okay. of the time, they'll sting. What I would do is I just understand that if yours dies, everybody else did too, and uh, I would spray paint mine purple until you got around to planting a new one. Okay, that's my approach, and I'm st- and I'm sticking with it. All right, <laughs> thanks for your call, Chris. I appreciate it. Okay, let's go down to Biloxi. Boy, from all the way up near Tennessee down to the Gulf Coast. Hey, Russell, good morning. Good morning. Howdy. What can I help you with? Um, I've heard you say a couple of times that it's okay to use the herbicide uh, Roundup. Yep. Lately, the, the in Europe, the European Union is considering banning it, trying to get rid of it. I, I'm real familiar with it. Matter of fact, I just got a brand new book. It just came out, and I got a, I, I just picked it up. Uh, that that explores all those kind of stuff. I'm real familiar with all these issues, but I'm I have to stick with with research. I have to do that. Otherwise, I, I'm I'm going to be intellect, intellectually dishonest. The reason they banned it is because of some issues that happened to some farmers who overuse it all the time. They develop some problems. They've not shown any problems with me squirting it on some poison ivy in my backyard. I'm not talking about big agriculture and people who spray this stuff day after day with no protection and all that stuff, that causes problems. And Russell, Roundup was just put on the World Health Organization list as possibly or probably carcinogenic, okay? After 25 years, it finally got put on the same list that already had red meat on it and aspirin and hot water. I'm I'm not making this up. The list it was put on finally said that under the right conditions – overdosing, overuse it, improper, blah, 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 blah. It can do the same thing that eating too much red meat and drinking too much alcohol can do. And so what they're saying is moderation. So we're not talking about on the salt gardener, uh, big farming, agribusiness, where there are some real abuses. We're talking about at home squirting some plants with a relatively mild, low-toxicity herbicide that doesn't hurt your trees and the soil and stuff around it. I'm talking about home gardening use. Okay. okay. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to come across real, because I'm not, trying, I'm not trying to be moderate. I'm really trying to stick with what we know. Abuses cause problems. And Roundup is the number one, actually it's the number two abused uh, 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 chemical in the world. The number one is an insecticide that's in all your vegetable plants from the garden center. So you know, I'm just I'm trying to, to weigh gardening versus the big agriculture stuff. Good. But uh, anyway, I'm gonna go through this book. I'm gonna be honest about it. You know, I'm gonna learn some stuff and I'll share it. But right now, I cannot find a reason where where you can't use Roundup to squirt on poison ivy stuff in your backyard. I really, I really, really can't. Yeah. So okay. and, and and don't eat too much red meat either. 
Okay, we got a scoot. Um, down in Mo- Mobile, Mikey, you call back. What's up, lady? Hey, I'm hoping you can help me. I'm pretty sure you can because this is probably a real simple question for you. Get to uh, it. But it's new to me. It's new to me. Um, and it probably is new to a bunch of people. Um, I used have used a, a big since oh goodness if we had a rainy season in mobile this year or what even october was rainy yep. last weekend but um so i use an uh, you know an inexpensive but but rain barrel sized um uh, planter garden planter yep. like from a discount store and i usually put you know after it rains and i put a garbage lid on it but um uh, this is and since it's white I can actually see what's going on in it. Now, I've seen these same sorts of things before, but this is a time that I can actually see the activity in it because of, you know, I can okay. see Let, it. Let's get to it. Uh, we'll get around at times. So let's get to it. Okay. It's, it looks like a bunch of little black mustaches that maybe are an inch long that are all over it, and it looks like it's dragonfly larvae in there. It's not mosquito larvae, and where there have been mosquito larvae, there are little things that look like dragonfly larvae. Am I right? Well, I don't know. I'd have to see one. Take a picture and see the dragonfly larvae look like little dinosaurs. They got heads and legs and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm real familiar with dragonfly. And big of, eyes. Yeah. And big eyes. Yeah, that's dragonfly larvae, and they're meat eaters. That's where, you know, you can't have dragonflies without dragonfly larvae, and if you got water, you're going to have dragonfly, you know, it's a good thing, and they eat mosquitoes like you wouldn't believe. Mosquito that's what larvae. I'm hoping. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> hey, I, I hope, to, hope to see you at the plant swap. Finally get a chance to meet you, Mikey. Thank you, Phil. Okay. I appreciate it. See ya. Now let's go to Biloxi. Hey, Rick, good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm fine. What's going on? Well, without getting into issues of climate change or global warming, we have had some unusually uh, mild winters the last couple of years. Yeah. And uh, I've noticed some uh, unusual behavior in a couple of plants. One is a Myers lemon that we bought two years ago. And last year, the first year uh, we had it during the uh, growing season, it uh, produced over a dozen lemons. And this year, the blooms came out, I think, in March or something like, you know, unusually early. Yeah. And it has only produced three lemons so far. And I'm curious as to whether or not you think uh, that's yeah. Can stress be caused by a lack of cold weather? Well, well, not with citrus because they grow. You know, they're they're you know they're subtropical plants. You know, right. and and they you know they grow, I've seen them in the mountains of southern Japan. You know, and they like a little cold weather, but they don't really need a whole lot of cold to flower. But also right. keep in mind that you know the kind of weather you have on the Gulf Coast, the winds. The long, hot, dry summer spells, the heavy rains, all those affect individual plants, and they can affect entire groups of similar plants. Right. So, uh, so, you know, uh, rainfall patterns, heat, summer nights, you know, all those kind of things. Uh, we are seeing some distinct changes in plants. We're seeing poison ivy that has more of the uh, poisonous oil in it because of the warmer weather and the higher carbon, uh, carbon dioxide in the air. We're seeing that. And yeah. uh, so anyway, but as far as it affecting the tree, that's going to be, I think, a year-to-year type thing, especially okay. if it affects the same kind of plant over a big area like across the coast. Individual other, plants, yeah. One other quick question. Uh, I bought, because I thought the blooms were so lovely, uh, an Indian red brush plant, I think is the name of brush something plant. It's not bottle yeah. brush plant, is it? It, uh, uh, excuse me? Does it look like a red bottle brush? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. It's called bottle brush. And uh, they supposedly grow eight or nine feet tall. In fact, the place that I bought it from in uh, New Orleans had a, gr- a group of them together right. that were about that size. And, and It's a good plant. The, the one that I, I bought, we have a patio home, and it's very little uh only a couple of spots that really get a great deal of sunshine, and this is in one of the shadier areas, and is producing new leaves, but it's losing the older foliage at, yeah, at about the same yeah, rate. It's 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 October, you know that's yeah. going to happen. That's going to happen. 
So anyway, it's a great plant, Rick, and I appreciate it, man. Give me a shout out anytime, okay? Okay, let's go to uh, Madison and talk with George. Hey, George, what's up, man? Hi, I was hoping to ask two quick questions. Better time. make them quick. Um, Better one, make them I was quick. wondering if you'd ever heard of linden trees growing this far south. Yeah, it's called also called basswood. Look up basswood. In England, yeah. they're called lime trees, but uh, linden is actually a native tree here. It's a good plant. Okay. Um, the other question I had is this, the state's talk, I live on a high on 463, and the state's talking about taking 20 feet of my, my right-of-way yep. to expand the highway. And yep. uh, my problem is I have this big live oak tree. It's about four Kiss foot good, in diameter. Kiss it goodbye. It's about, it's about 35 feet from the property line. Yeah. Put put a and, uh, fi- listen. Okay, we got to cut to the chase for almost the time. Put your fence up, even a temporary fence, at the edge of where they're going to do this, so that they don't come on your property at all. No kind of equipment up under that tree. Go ahead and fence it off, and uh, and that'll help quite a bit. Uh, in other words, protect the roots of what's left, and uh, and it could do quite well. Now let's go quickly to uh, Columbus. I mean Columbia, Elaine. We're almost out of time, but what can I help you with? Yes, hi. Um, sorry. That's a, um, I have a question about where I can find a reliable source for um, beans and or plants, uh, milkweed, for the modern yeah. butterfly. Okay, you need to send me an email. I can help you with that. But I will say the best, butter, best butterfly milkweed for your yard is going to be called the tropical milkweed. The Latin name is Curisavica. But anyway, the tropical one is a good perennial. It blooms all the time. And monarchs, absolutely, it's a beautiful garden plant. It's probably the best one you can put out there. And then start looking at the native ones, which aren't quite as showy and some are kind of weedy. But look for the one called tropical milkweed. Don't be put off by people say it's a weed because it's not. That that'd be a good approach. Okay, the, we're out of time, right? Okay, Java says we're leaving Sheila and Brandon hanging there. Sorry, Sheila. Send me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. There's so many things I want to share with you all today. I got an email. Uh, this fellow named D- uh, David Snyder Mobile says he uses cattail trimmers to deadhead his flowers. Little things like that I want to share with you all, but we ran out of time again. It's okay. We'll be here next week. Well, I could waste a bunch of time with a grumpy gardener with that interview, but go online. Google grumpy gardener. Uh, I really respect the, the approach this guy's got towards real gardening. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing, and this has been the Gestalt Gardener, production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. My, uh, my, my producer is the awesome Java Chapman. We've had Kevin Farrell being our phone greeter, and uh, we're going to be taking a quick break called a week. We'll be back next, no, next November talking about gardening here on the Gestalt Gardener. I am going to Mobile, the corner of St. Anne and Dolphin, for a plant swap that starts at 10 o'clock on Saturday morning. You've got some things I can help I promote. Garden at mpbonline.org. Meanwhile, take a kid to a garden center, get them a sack of bulbs, show them how to do what we do best, and that's get dirty. See you all next week. Thank you.